We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Clippers, 51 wins last year. Obviously, a lot of changes. They're down to 43 and a half. We're both over, and you. I'm locking it in. Locked in the. I'm locked in the over. I'm locking in the over. This is my fourth lock. Uh, We've now each locked four of these. I mean, lock it up. 40, 44 wins minimum uh, for this Clippers team. Can see this team winning 45 games. 44, 45. I mean, at at least 44. Uh, (laughs) I had. Look, the obvious elephant in the room is how many games are we getting from Blake Griffin? How effective is he in those games? I don't know why I'm betting. I feel like... Thank you for addressing the elephant in the room. I feel like for some reason, like, Jerry West's presence is inspiring confidence for me in Blake Griffin's health. I think it's, like, a threatening thing. There's no... He's just going to look at Blake like, you're staying staying healthy this year, Blake, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. West. (laughs) So I... I think if Blake Griffin gives them 70 healthy games of Blake Griffin, which is, I know that's maybe asking too much, but if he does, I think they just blow by the 43 and a half win over under. If, if it's more kind of, if, if he only gives them like 50 quality games, then I don't think they hit it. 
I mean, it's just, it really all depends on nope. what Blake does. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm locking it in just because I, I see such a, I, I see like a 50 win team, honestly, if he's, when he's healthy, like, I think that that's how good they'll be mm-hmm. because he's more than capable of being the best player on a team that wins that many games. And I think that he's a lot of his like playmaking style and just kind of fast, fast break, um, up-tempo style has kind of been held back a little bit by by Chris Paul since since they've been together so I'm really excited to see what he does with just where it's clear that it's his team and I think the pieces complement him really well this is like the reverse Kyrie situation where instead of Kyrie leaving the LeBron of the Clippers is left and <laughs> yes. now yes. now we're we're left to see you know what the Kyrie of the Clippers can do on his own I I agree though if Blake's healthy I think they easily get past 43 and a half and I think it's it's a good line because if he doesn't stay healthy which is you know there's probably at least a 50 percent chance of that then they're probably under 43 and a half fairly easily the other thing I want to say is you lose Chris Paul obviously that's a huge hit and anytime you lose a superstar you usually uh decline in wins but the biggest issue for the Clippers all along besides health has been the lack of depth. Like you had your top three, you had a couple of decent role players. And then after that, things fell off a cliff. So you lose Chris Paul, but in the Chris Paul trade, you basically gain all of the depth that you didn't have the last four years. So like is the combination of Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Milos Teodosic, like do those three plus Decker equal the value that Chris Paul gave you? I don't know. It's hard to quantify. Well, now, now, they they go le- a legit like nine yes. deep, and Which you can never say about a first right. team. Before they Chris used Paul to go or... like five and a half deep, Not, and even that like they went <laughs> well, four deep. last year. They were like three and a half deep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I mean, Tia Dosic is as good at throwing lobs as Chris Paul ever was. Really, I mean, just based on what I've seen of him, like that's that's his based on the youtube videos that's I've that's his this that's his jam he's excited to, he's to, be, a great to be a clipper um yeah i mean sam decker is like the best backup wing they've ever had ever uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good part, like in the history of the clippers yeah so uh okay the lakers let's stay in la 26 wins last year up to 33 and a half this year we're both going under but you have this marked as a stay away <laughs> yeah because i just don't i still have no idea what Brandon Ingram is so just <laughs> that it comes back as a top 10 player like <laughs> any any Brandon Ingram season to me is in play here I I, I really like I, I think he could end up being he could retire <laughs> like, I, I think he could end up averaging like 22 and like shooting a high percentage and playing good D I think he could just be what he was last year too I'd, and then you know obviously you're, yeah. you're giving a lot of minutes to Lonzo Ball a rookie you're I mean, I don't love how Brooke Lopez fits on this team at all. So they have high upside pieces at, at two or three positions. So it wouldn't be crazy if they went over this by just a, a tiny bit. But I mm-hmm. I mean, under, I think, is the safest play. I almost feel like they shouldn't have won 26 games last year. Like That, right. that number well, seems high. Do you remember they got off to a good start? Yeah. Like they got off to a start and people were like, oh, this this young Lakers yeah. team. Like, I mean, I think they started like almost 500 through the first 20. <laughs> they got off and then just red hot. Um I mean, you also have to factor in that Vegas is putting this at a line. Like the amount of money coming in on the over here is going to be huge because Alonzo and that Lonzo has has a huge Vegas presence. Like anyway, so like I think you're I think all the money is coming from LeVar Ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's driving this line. 
Uh, I think I think ball is going to be good. I think the offense is going to look kind of like that UCLA offense. Like he just has. It sounds cliche, and it's been said so many times, but he just has that effect that makes people play his style. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you know LeBron James make people play his style, but not everybody likes playing that style because it's all him just doing everything. Lonzo's style finds a way to get everybody involved and we saw it a little bit in summer league with how guys he had literally never played with in his life before just kind of after one or two games just knew where to be and they pretty much rolled through everybody after that so i think i think i guess if people quote unquote buy in to playing the way that lonzo should and wants to play when he's on the court they could be really fun offensively i think ball is going to be a disaster on d though and i think a lot of this team could be really bad on d sure i mean kcp is fine the rest, yeah, the rest, like, the rest, the rest of the rest team is pretty bad. Like, <laughs> like Ingram could be good. Like sure. the tools are there for him to be good. Like I, I think Ball might be like a bottom three defender at his position. Yeah, I mean he he's he's, gonna be he's really on the bad. short list of. I mean he's in that sort of Isaiah Thomas. He got a lot of blocks last year because he's tall, but that like that's really misleading. Yeah, because he was taller. He was like five inches taller than a lot of yeah. the point guards he was playing against. I I just think you know one on one on Ball top of the key he's gonna get pounded yeah it's gonna be rough grizzlies this seems like a trap line uh they are at 37 and a half does does seem like a trap it seems like a trap we're both going over you are expressing a little bit of trepidation yes i'm also saying this is a stay away uh i mean how could you go anywhere near this line like there's just so many random factors here like we've been waiting for this team to fall off a cliff forever i can't I can't take them under here with Conley and Gasol, but what if they decide to kind of, I mean, eventually this team's going to have to rebuild. So I don't know when they decide to do that, but uh, you know, I mean, if it, if it results in Conley or Gasol not playing games at some point this season, then all of a sudden they become a terrible team. I mean, as long as those guys are out there, they're going to be competitive, but yeah, I, I they're in such a tough spot, but it's, they also feel like they've been in the same spot for four years now mm-hmm. where it's like, man, this is the end of grit and grind. And then they, for lack of a better term, grit and grind their way into the playoffs. And this does feel like the year kind of like last year for Dallas, where it's like, all right, th- this has to run out at some point. Like your coach can only be so good. Your your veterans can only carry the team so much like they have no depth. You're relying a lot on Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore. Oh, you saw they got Kobe Simmons, right? Did not see that. I, but he wasn't drafted, was he? No, no. So is he even going to make the team? I don't know. I, don't know. I hope not. <laughs> the the big question mark for me, though, the only thing that could swing this one way or the other. What if this is the year Brandon Wright stays healthy? <laughs> the, what the, if the Brandon Wright here? <laughs> Still under contract. Every time he's back, it's always like, well, if you look at his numbers from four years ago, per thirty six. Look at his per thirty six. If, if his shoulder stops coming detached from his body, Brandon per thirty six, right? <laughs> uh, okay, that's enough on the Grizzlies. I think we agree that's that's just a tough line. Yeah. They're they're in a, a rough spot right now. Tough line, tough team to watch. Yes, very tough team to watch. Um, Miami, forty one wins last year. Terrible start. Incredible finish. Still managed to miss the playoffs. Their line's up to 43 and a half. We are split once again. You have taken the under. I am taking the over. I will be honest. This is the most surprising of, of all your picks so far, and there have been some, some shockers. Been some uh, this is the one I'm most, most surprised about. I'm, I'm quite Why? surprised that you went over here. Uh, I just, I, I mean, 
You know, if you like look, if you look at the way that they fin, that's true. You do. Uh, if you look at the way they finished the year last year, uh, it's just it's got all the makings of like, whoa, they were playing just way over their heads for like one stretch, and that impacted the win loss total. When you know, true talent wise, maybe this was like a thirty five win team last year. Expected win loss forty four wins last year. I think they played way under their heads for half the season, way over for the the second half. I don't hmm. know. I mean, we've. I've, we've read a lot about this and like everybody's basically like i'm not saying they're gonna win 50 games i think they'll win 44 or 45 games do you buy into the idea that a, a paid Dion waiters and a paid james johnson and a paid tyler johnson Ooh. and a paid hassan whiteside i Kelly guess Olenek. i guess he was paid yeah <laughs> like is that does that make them worse? I feel like with i think james I, johnson it might make them yes worse. i was just gonna say that the other guys know james johnson you know, yes, I think you give that you give sixty million dollars to what is he thirty one already? Yeah. Like I don't, I didn't love that contract. And I, I wrote in my notes like I didn't, I don't like anything they did long term this off season. No. But I don't think any of those moves are going to kill them this year. What I do think you, they'll be better this coming year? What do you think Justice Winslow does this year? You want to talk about X factors? It's a pretty big X factor. I don't. See, he was. People have kind of forgotten that he was actually not that good when he was healthy. Have, I feel like everyone knows he was bad when he was healthy. But people still talk about it, like, well, because everybody knows about that trade that they yeah the uh, reportedly trade. declined, right? And so everybody, it's kind of like well, appealing to their authority that they decided that Winslow was not worth giving up for that, and so people kind of hold him to this standard just based on that trade. Yeah. It's kind of a weird situation. Like nobody's no, holding him to the standard based on like saying man i loved him coming out of duke it's like that trade alone yes. is like the reason why people are holding him up yeah that's fair i just think you know people talk about man if they had justice winslow back this things would have been different last year like i don't know i mean he's he is interesting because he he gives you like he, he play makes you know as, as a six seven small forward in his first and second year which is which you don't really get a ton i mean he was averaging almost four assists a game before he got hurt last year but He's a terrible three-point shooter, like 25% three-point shooter, like one of the worst in the league, and he doesn't finish well at the rim either. I mean, before he got hurt, he was shooting 36% overall. So like, he, he's a very like odd kind of Marcus Smart crossed with Lance Stevenson in some ways to me, like where it's intangibly he, he does help your team somehow, but it's not always borne out in the numbers, and I just I don't know what to make of him. I really don't. Like that's I think he legitimately is... You know, X Factor is a word that's probably overused and definitely overused in talking about players. But we, I mean, I, I, nothing would surprise me with him, much like with you and Brandon Nigram. Get to the Milwaukee Bucks. 42 wins last year, 47 and a half this year. I am locking in the under. You are just kind of taking the over I'm here just, without any kinda sort of attachments. Kind of taking the over. Just, uh, just doing what you do. I just it, I just think Giannis is at a point in his career where it just it would feel really I'd, I'd hate myself to take the under. Um, like he's he's on such an ascent to becoming. I mean, he, I think he's going to win an MVP at you know one of the next two or three years. Euro basket MVP. <laughs> I, and and when he does, like I mean, he it's just this natural progression where it's like, oh, he finally learned how to take it to carry a team by himself into the playoffs. 
you know, the next level there is he, he carries a team to, you know, top four seed and then eventually gets them into the, the conference finals. Like these things are, are probably going to happen if, if he continues on this track. And I just think, yeah, that's an aggressive line to go from 42 last year, 47 and a half this year. But I think Middleton, Chris Middleton to me is a better running mate with him than, than Jabari Parker. And you get a full year of Middleton, you will get Jabari at some point. And, you know, I think Tony Snell was a good addition for them uh, last year. So you have you have him for a full season. I think that uh, Delvadova underperformed last year. So I think that'll kind of help make up for some, you know, probably natural regression from Malcolm Brogdon. I don't really see Brogdon taking a step forward. He might even take a step back. But uh, Thon Maker is going to be better. I think Greg Monroe is going to be more... Uh, comfortable in in his role i just i think that there's like Giannis is good enough to take the guys around him on this roster to 50 wins i think yeah i mean the argument is that if you want to compare Giannis to lebron in terms of all-around contributions at this age lebron took a similar or even less talented roster to what 66 wins one of those one of those first calves years so like it's not mm-hmm. it's not unfathomable i mean he's um, not he's not lebron no, like, he's we're, not, we're not saying that but like he is one of the best young uh two-way players since lebron right i mean what was the stat last year like top 20 in points rebounds assists blocks and steals or something right like, like nobody yeah. like literally no one has yeah. done that like it's, yeah. it's it's hard to mount an argument that there's ever been a, a better all-around player at this age so like it's not crazy i mean they were they were 17 and 9 after the all-star break so basically that's when middleton was back he, he played a game or two before the break but he was limited mm-hmm. and just kind of working back so like if that's the team that you think they are with middleton then 47 and a half is totally understandable and i can see why you'd take the over i just the only quote-unquote improvement that they made is you get a healthy Middleton back, and that's what's concerning. They didn't get deeper. Well, they I, didn't add any talent. I'm so I'm I'm saying their improvement is that Giannis continues to get better. Like if okay. Giannis doesn't get better from what he did last year, mm-hmm. then they're then it's going to be real close. To, yeah. Like they might only win 45 games. I just I'm banking in because we always see this with players like this age that are this good, like they continue mm. to get better. And I think that if Giannis continues to get better, that's enough. That's like a four win improvement. What if the bucks are like last year, they're hovering around 500 slightly below 500 around the trade deadline. Are they a team that would trade Chris Middleton to a team like the Cavs or I don't know, the nuggets or some, some team like that, that wants that extra deadline piece. I, I unless it's in a expiring I I don't see it I just don't I don't think that this is a team given where they they can't have any years really when you have a player like Giannis they can't have any years where it it, it could be perceived from that player's point of view that they're taking a step back right. from like you want to always be ascending so that that player feels comfortable like being there for oh, of theoretically his entire career if you trade a guy like Middleton regardless of what you're getting back you're clearly making the team worse and you're making next year's team worse and you and then all of a sudden it's like well what are you what are you building for are you trying to be good in 2020 you have a 
an all like a potentially all time great player entering his prime. You want to be good right now. I agree, but like this current core, like this current core is not going to win a title. Like if Giannis ever wins a title in Milwaukee, it's not going to be with Chris Middleton as the second best player. You but know? you want to keep you want to keep Middleton so that you can attract sure. that next star to play alongside Giannis. Like you, you if you if you deplete this current core, then I don't think you can go get that second running mate for Giannis, yeah. but you want to keep this team. Cause like this team is good enough. Like if, if guys like, you know, Thon, if Thon maker develops into, uh, you know, maybe even like 70% of what some people think he could develop into. And like DJ Wilson becomes like a serviceable big off the bench like this. And, and Giannis keeps getting better and you get Jabari Parker back. This could be a 55 win team two years from now. And then all of a sudden I think you're in, the conversation for whoever that next uh, star free agent or, or yeah, free agent true. to be like, becomes available. You know, I, I don't think Milwaukee, even with Giannis, like you're never going to be the team that signs Kevin Durant, but you could be the team that signs Gordon Hayward, right? Like, yeah. is that what you mean? Or you could be the team that uh, trades for the next Kyrie Irving, right? Like, like that's that, that's right. why I wanted them to do the Kyrie deal because I mean, it's been said over and over, like players like that don't just become available, mm-hmm. and especially available to a team like Milwaukee. Right, and he might not have. Part of the reason he wanted to go to Boston is because of all the moves Boston did True. leading up to that. And like, you just want to get in position. Yep. Like, because I mean, other what's the point? Like, if you right. if you just look at this current team and say, well, they're never winning a title, it's like, well, what do you? So then, every mm-hmm. team other than the Warriors should just give up basically i mean basically what you want to avoid doing is what washington did two years ago when everyone thought they had a chance to get kd and then they cratered the year before kd became a free agent and you know not that he was ever going there anyway but what little chance the wizards ever had was basically Mm -hmm. demolished by them being terrible the year before well you can't you just can't do what the Cavs did the first time around with lebron and what the pelicans are doing with anthony davis Right. right now where you're either you're treading water slash getting weirdly worse long term and yeah. then like the player just looks up and is like why that why the hell would i stay here yeah very true okay minnesota 31 wins last year 48 and a half wins this a lot, year a lot. we agree on this the under you got suckered into the t-wolves last year like many did <laughs> not letting it happen again <laughs> um, so many plus 18 wins that's just so a many lot wins. man that's, that's a, a lot of wins that's a lot and you're integrating so many key new players like you're turning in a lot of turnover and in major minute spots on that roster not a lot of depth on that roster either especially in the backcourt yeah i it's i see carl anthony towns having a huge year and like I, obviously you expect jimmy butler to keep up his current pace i think wiggins is you know at worst he's just as good as he was last year but still that's a lot it's a lot of wins just based on a Jimmy Butler addition and Carl Anthony Towns getting better. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument against what I just said about their depth, their lack of depth, is that they're going to play all their starters a ton of minutes, and that's fine as long as they don't get hurt. Like if they don't, if they don't have any injuries, they they can get very close to forty nine wins. I think even if they do have a couple injuries, they're probably like, what's the lowest they'll be? Like forty four, forty five, if things break semi wrong. I mean, you have a team that has. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, and Jimmy Butler. I mean, I could see it being, players. I could see it being like forty-two, forty-three. If if a lot of things go wrong, yeah. I just that's just such a high number. I I can't I can't go to forty-nine on this team yet, especially after what they did to me last year. I mean, they won thirty-one games last year. Thirty-one. They were not good. <laughs> they were like actually a very bad basketball team last year. 
Okay, the New Orleans Pelicans. This is always the like the most depressing one because you and I love Anthony Davis. Everybody loves Anthony Davis. It's it's really sad to see what's happened to him or what's happened to this team around him. Thirty four wins last year. Yet again, the line is set at an optimistic thirty nine and a half. You and I both taking the under. I was t- very tempted to lock this one in, I'm, but I'm, now I'm looking at it. I'm like, why did I not lock this yeah, one? Yeah, it's just I, there's something in my mind. Like if 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 there's one team that I could pick to just have everything go in their favor for one year and see what happens, it's probably the Pelicans. Uh, to me, it's it's the. I don't even have to talk about DeMarcus Cousins. It's the Rajon Rondo effect. I think if you bet on the under for the last three or four teams Rajon Rondo's been on, you'd be uh, a very happy man. I think that that was one of the main reasons I took the under on the Bulls last year. That that panned out. Uh, He's going to play quite a bit for them, and he's not a good basketball player, and he actually... Is a is a huge net negative, and Demarcus Cousins, like, who's to say, like, what what you get from him? But I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't see the depth and just the not even depth, but the starters they have at one through three. Like, how is that team getting to forty wins? Yeah, I mean, they'll get off to a better start, I think, because you know they were without Holiday for a ton of games at the beginning of the year while he was with his wife. Um, but like, they've never had a good small forward. They still don't have a good small no. forward. Like, I don't like I don't Drew Holiday is by far their best player outside of the front court and he's going to be playing out of position. Yeah. Like you're relying on a lot of minutes from Ian Clark, from Jordan Crawford, from Etwan Moore, probably Darius Miller. Like you're not I mean Frank Jackson probably wasn't going to be a, like a big big piece for them, but he was going to play some minutes and now he's out for who knows how many months. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's bleak. I think it'll be like last year where they have flashes where they look really good. Davis and Cousins put up huge numbers and they end up with like the 11th pick in the draft again. All right. The New York Knicks, 31 wins last year. More agreement. Yeah. This is what three in a row we've agreed on. 30 and a half is the line for the Knicks. Pound that under. I don't know if you got a pound the under but <laughs> you got to bang the under and and I don't, I don't know i mean it's just look at that roster i mean come on what a joke and uh, <laughs> i have the only note that i have written down for the knicks is no guards that, that was no guards on the roster my only note was look at that roster what a joke that was my note <laughs> <laughs> it's i don't know i was i would think i was listening to dunk down the other day and they were they were talking talking about the knicks and they're like you know, maybe if Tim Hardaway becomes a great two-way player, it's like, you know, I respect both Danny and Nate's opinions quite a bit, but that is just not going to happen. This is not a good team. Once Carmelo's gone, did they get? Did, could you see like a post-Carmelo spike? Where, I like, could let's say Melo's gone in February and they win. Like, I mean, I, their next I would 20. actually, I would assume, I would, I would bank on it. Actually, yeah. I, I think they would actually be better without Melo, just because I think that. The only avenue for this team to ever be good is for literally everything to revolve around Porzingis, and as long as Melo's there, it can't. So that's yep. you would you would assume that he. I mean, I think everyone, if you think about it that way, would assume they would get better without Melo. Yeah, I mean, he's gone at some point, right? Like, he's does he finish the season in New York? I don't know, man. I I don't. It's okay. so complicated. Like I, I was. I remember there was a point last season when everyone was like, "Oh, it looks sounds like he's going." And the whole time, then I was like, <laughs> "He's not going anywhere." It's Carmelo. He's not going yeah. anywhere. Like there's just 
there's factors like he wants it to be both ways. Like he wants to pick where he goes, like have that team get him without getting worse and like not take a pay cut. Like there's all those, all those things don't coalesce. Like something's got to happen. No, they do not. I think ideally he'll, he'll like get bought out by the Knicks and then immediately sign another like long-term max deal. Somewhere he's else. not signing a max <laughs> okay, deal. I know. I'm getting in his mind though. He's okay. Like, Two maxes. Yeah. I can get another max. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. See, 47 wins last year. They added Patrick Patterson. Now they're a 51 and a half win team, according to Vegas. Stay away. I would not touch this, but if I have to, I'll say over. I said over as well. Um, I didn't really mark any stayaways, but this is definitely a stay away. This probably should have been a 42 win team last year. And when you look at it that way, is Paul George and Patrick Patterson worth a nine and a half win jump? Maybe, possibly. To me, to me, this is very complicated because it, it has not only do you have to factor in the additions and subtractions, but I just don't know how they're going to run the the minutes and how they're yeah. going to stagger everything. Because last year, as we've talked about on the pod, they kind of put Westbrook's season ahead of wins and losses and were just not they, they weren't playing the other good players when he wasn't out there. So like you would have. 10 minutes a game where they were playing some of their worst players all together. But now they have two stars assuming they're not chasing anything individual for Westbrook this year. You can just, and assuming like, I, I mean, there were times when Scott Brooks wouldn't even stagger Westbrook and Durant. So, I mean, this is, you're still assuming that the coaches do the right thing, but like you theoretically don't ever have to have Westbrook or George, both of them on the bench um and at least definitely for not long stretches so if they kind of approach things the way they should with uh the way rotations their rotations are set and everything i think they can get over 50 wins but if like we see first couple weeks of the season they're doing the same stupid crap they were doing last year and just only playing their good players together and you see some lineup of raymond felton doug mcdermott uh andre roberson innis Cantor like Nick Collison out there together. Oh, come on, Samaj Christian. Come on. Samaj Christian. Yeah, okay. Such an obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> like if, you, if all of a sudden like they're deploying that five together, then it, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I wish I could go back and, and bang that under. Yeah, I think that they were very lucky to get to 47 last year. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the league, which it, it's not very often that the worst three-point shooting team in the league is a pretty good team and ends up in the playoffs. So to me, that's somewhat of a good omen because like they can't get any worse in that respect. Like Patterson helps. It, well, the the counter argument, I guess, is that Westbrook had the best volume and efficiency three-point shooting season of his career. They were still the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Um, but I think like just not having Robertson take some of those threes and instead giving them to Paul George, who's 42% on the catch and shoot. Doug McDermott, theoretically, Doug McDermott, shoots I guess, threes. yeah. I mean, both of those guys are massive upgrades mm-hmm. over Oladipo, and, and certainly you would hope that means fewer shots for Robertson. But, but we'll see. I mean, this will be really fun to watch. Um, I just is, See, I don't even know if it will be because I think, I think be. that the offense is going to be – like I don't know if any Russell Westbrook offense is ever all that fun to right. watch. 
Like the, there's not going to be much movement. It's just going to be right. he's going to go one on one, and then maybe Paul George will get yeah. a chance to go one on one, and like. Exactly. It's going to be a, a worse game. version yeah. of the Westbrook Duran offense. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I've written a couple times this offseason. Like we've seen Russ make it work with other elite wings before. You know, wink, wink. But it's like, <laughs> did it? And then I always think back. Like, did it really work, or were those guys just so talented right. that they took turns and still were you know good enough to win fifty five games? Like, that's part. I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm locking in the Rockets over is just because like sometimes when you just have two guys that are that good it doesn't matter right early and, Wade LeBron was that way right and they, like, they did not play well together for two and a half years maybe the, part of the reason we're we're probably both picking the over here even though we're not confident about it is because you, you have those two guys so maybe yeah. that's just enough no I agree I and I think it's also being glossed over like Paul George is really good and you could probably argue that he's a top 10 player at times there is a very large gulf between Kevin Durant and Paul George, yes. mostly because KD is that good. Right. Uh, I'd, I said I hated talking about the Pistons. I really hate talking about the Magic. 33 and a half is the number. How do neither of us have this locked in? Yeah, I'll, I'm actually just going to do that now. <laughs> let, me, let me quickly you lock. You force lock. Lock, lock, yeah. lock, 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 under. lock them both Jesus. in. Jesus. I mean... <laughs> So last year, the the Magic won 29 games, and they had the biggest difference in real win-loss versus expected win-loss. Like, somehow they lucked into five more wins. And, no, what and about still only got to like 29. Um, yeah, I don't know so. why. Why does Vegas have to set this line here? Like, who are the people that are... 33 and a half. Who are the people that are like, ooh, over? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's enough. And I see an opportunity. I jump on it over. <laughs> this is like if it, where would this line have been for you to say oh, I could I could take the over like twenty seven and a half. Like if it's twenty seven and a half, twenty eight and a half, then I'm like then right. I actually have to sit there and like think about it. Yeah, but like when I saw that number, I I didn't know how many games the Magic won off the top of my head. I was like, oh, they must have won like thirty two, thirty three yeah. last year. Like you don't look and be like, oh, this roster is definitely four and a half games better than than last year's. Right. Do people like Jonathan Isaac? Like, do people realize he's not gonna play all that much he's jonathan isaac's like three years away from being like a Five solid big away. leaguer or a solid solid nba player Jeez. um don't you ever bring that baseball talk on no, this podcast uh, again aaron gordon like you would you'd have to be like assuming an, a big aaron gordon jump to to bang that over right i don't, I don't know how else you could possibly justify it yeah, I don't I don't get it. I think yeah. you know, they were they were better after they got rid of Serge Ibaka last year. So it's like maybe a full year of Vucevic and Bayambo. You feel a little bit better. I just this is basically the same team as last year. You right. you added Jonathan Simmons. You haven't gotten like, you haven't gotten rid of Vucevic. You haven't upgraded a point guard, so yeah. I can't take your over. Right. And <laughs> Peyton to his credit was better than I thought he'd be last year, but that's true. That still he got was. you 29. He was wins. still bad. He was he was bad and was still better than yeah, I thought he'd be. I think this year. is is there is there one that you feel better about than this one so uh, far? So you've I mean, locked, I, you've locked I, in the Mavs over, the Warriors over, the Rockets over, and the Clippers over. Do you I feel better about any of those than this? I think I feel better about the Warriors. I think so, too. But this See, one's good. The Warriors are the one team where you feel good about it even if one of their stars gets hurt. Like That's that's the big difference between them and everybody else. Like Every other team has the injury caveat, and right. they don't really. Philadelphia. I feel good about this one, too. Yeah. Uh, 28 wins last year. This is the line that I think most people were beside themselves with on Twitter when these came out. 42 and a half. I haven't seen one person say that they like the over on this. Well, so 
and I've said this on the pod before too. I I think that the gulp the the gulf between this team with Joel Embiid playing thirty minutes a game and an injured Joel Embiid is so massive that like. I sort of understand the line. Like if, if you told me Joel Embiid's going to play 60 games mm. and play, you know, 28, 30 minutes a game in those games, I'd actually consider the over because I think he makes that big of a difference when he's out there. Just like the fact that he was able to make that team last year with no faults, no Simmons, no Redick, a net positive team when he was on the court like that's insane crazy the players that were on that team that's just insane it's, that he was able to do that a lot of tj mcconnell yeah a lot, <laughs> a lot of tj a lot of julia loca for um you know now it's now he's actually got good players around him so if he's healthy i mean granted some of those players are young and this is their first year playing in the nba but if he can stay healthy, I think they actually do get into the mid forties. I just don't see any reason why you would bet on uh, Joel Embiid staying healthy. Yeah, I unfortunately I just don't see Embiid playing more than like sixty games. Even that seems maybe I that mean, seems. Optimistic. Would you take the over at like forty five games? Hmm. Uh, that's a, that's a good line. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I would, but I wouldn't go much higher. I mean, that's the thing. It's like. If any of these other teams we've talked about, if you if we're like unsure if their best player is going to play forty five games, we're right. taking the under. Like we said the same thing with Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin is not but, even in the same category of injury. But progress. we were saying we were like, is he going to play like sixty five, yeah. seventy games? Like with them beat, it's like, yeah. is he going to play forty five? Like is he going to be able to like move at the end of the season yeah. at all? Like will he be? Will he finish the year in a wheelchair? Like it's really sad. Plus three hundred. I I want it him is. to play. I know it. <laughs> I mean, like like I said with the Pelicans, if you could just wish everything would go right for a team for a year to see what happens, the Sixers would be. If it was that. just that for one player, Embiid oh. would be that player, and I think yes. that'd be like unanimous in NBA circles. Everyone yes. wants to see him stay. No matter what, we're getting what's going to be a great thirty for thirty on him. No matter which way this goes right. in like <laughs> ten years, the Phoenix Suns, twenty four wins last year. We finally disagree. We we had a nice run yeah. there where we were about in, time. A, in agreement, but. 28 and a half is the number you're going over. I'm going under. I I don't see it with them. They, I don't feel good about it. I This is basically just a, I love Josh Jackson pick. That's okay. pretty much all that is. I think. Well, you do know that he kicked a car in college. So Ooh. hope you're okay with that. Ooh, I can't like him anymore. Didn't know you supported the uh, <laughs> destruction of automobiles, but no, I, I do like Josh Jackson a lot too. I think he's one of the rare rookies that could end up being, like, positive or uh, right, exactly. positive like, he's not going to win rookie of the year just because the numbers yeah. he's not going to lead rookies in scoring or even come close yes. but he could be a positive contributor when he's on the court right i mean we could put it as simply as he's one of the rare rookies who's going to defend <laughs> right. at any level exactly. so <laughs> yeah i think that helps they, they just didn't get any better and like i still don't know that they really wanted to get better so you assume you assume devin booker continues to improve right is that a Devin, can you can you assume so do you this, assume that this Devin Devin Booker guy big fan of his as are you as are pretty much everybody he shot 42 percent from the field last year mm-hmm. like we he's not this right. like lights out knockdown scorer quite yet he's gonna be I mean he averaged 22 a game he also took a lot of shots and got to the line a bunch but I think he's after that you know 70 point game I think people went a little wild on him and like what he is as a player like mm-hmm. he's very very good he's the best player on their team but like 
the fact that he was, you know, untouchable in all these trade talks all summer is like, I'm not saying you should want to trade Devin Booker. Like almost never should you trade Devin Booker, but let's be realistic about like what we're dealing with right now. Like right now he's a scorer only and a relatively inefficient scorer at that. Right. I mean, a lot of the efficiency stuff is driven by the fact that he's playing with terrible players and he's asked to be the leading scorer on a team Mm -hmm. that is that young and everything. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to be efficient in that setting, but uh, yeah, I, I think that he has to continue to get better. I mean, just what he did last year, even with the efficiency issues, just at that age, it's, it's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. So no, for sure. And that's the other thing to remember with him is he's, you know, a year young for his class. Right. Yeah. He's like, is he 20? 20? I think he's 20. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's crazy. Insane. He is younger than both of us, I believe. <laughs> right? You sure he's younger than me? <laughs> uh, yes, he is 20. He turns 21 on October 30th. So not That's, long. He's catching up to us. It's crazy to think that he's 20. That really is. Um, anything else on this team? No. I mean... I don't feel good about the over, but I, no. Josh Jackson, Devin Booker, over. Okay, there we go. That's all you need to know. The Portland Trailblazers, 41 wins last year, 42 and a half is the number this year. It did feel like they underachieved last season. Um... But I guess I don't know where the improvement necessarily comes from. Nurkic, having him for a full year will help. But like McCollum and Lillard were both really, really good last year. Is it realistic to expect Mo Harkless and Evan Turner well, you get and another, Noah you get Vonley an, to play all this much better? You get another year of, of Jake Lehman. Uh, yeah, Pat Connaughton. Right. <laughs> uh, Kev Swanigan. <laughs> <laughs> we deduced would have gone. Now, now we're just naming. We're just naming. Let's just see how many how many trailblazers can you name. <laughs> we deduced the other day that Caleb Swanigan would have gone in the top five, likely the top three, as recently as what 2006. Yeah, which is known henceforth as the Sheldon Williams draft. Yes, yes. If 22 year old college senior Sheldon Williams could have gone number five overall, I mean Caleb Swanigan in in 2005 might have been able to like date Candace Parker like. <laughs> I mean, anything oh, anything was possible for Caleb Swanigan back then. He, he might still now. I think Candace is back on the market. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, so she wants a know, I think she wants kinda, a guy that can actually ball. I think I think we saw that coming around like 2008. <laughs> um, I mean, we could be looking back if Swanigan came. Still waiting on uh, on Samantha Ponder. Right. I mean, if Swanigan, yeah, it's basically <laughs> that same exact situation. If if Swanigan came around a decade earlier, I think it would have been, you know. LeBron or Swanigan or, or <laughs> Dark. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Blazers, that's the team that Swanigan plays for. And I don't really have a like good reason games. on this one. I mean, it the fact that it's only one and a half wins higher than what they won last year to me was a motivating factor because, like like you said, it, it did feel like they underachieved. Uh, they obviously seemed like a better team when they had Nurkic than when they didn't. Uh, so that's... You know, I like Zach Collins quite a bit. I don't see him making a big impact this year, but uh, just seemed like, you know, on paper, this team seems like a 44-45 win team. Yeah, I think they basically are running it back with the same team minus Alan Crabb, which is, is a loss. He played a lot of minutes for them, but they they, they kind of have the guys they actually, to replace them. They, they took... Um, 
when Alfred Camino was injured for them last year, that that hurt like at times. So like, I mean, well, if, how do you come back from that? Like he's he's easily their best like wing defender, right? Yeah, I mean they they have a lot of those type of guys like him, Harkless, Vonley. Like whenever there was a lot, whenever you'd watch the Blazers last year, there were four guys that all looked the same, and you never really knew who was out at the four. Uh, luckily, Zach Collins should avoid that mess for for obvious reasons. The Sacramento Kings, thirty two wins last year, twenty eight and a half is the number this year. I'm taking the under. You are very tentatively taking the over. Taking the over, uh, wouldn't touch it. Obviously, I think that this obviously is <laughs> obviously don't don't touch it. Um, no, I mean I think that the it's just going to be a better culture and situation. And everything there this year. I think that this roster is probably better than the rosters of like the Bulls and the Hawks that we talked about earlier in the show. But they're in the Western Conference, so that's that's obviously a a bit of an issue. I don't I don't feel good, but I like the young players they have. I mean, if if you if Scalabissier continues to get uh, to improve, De'Aaron Fox maybe has like a a strong second half after adjusting a little bit. I mean, there's there's definitely an avenue to them winning twenty nine thirty games. They're the rare team that is relying almost entirely on either very young or very old players like everybody is mm-hmm. either under 24 or like over 35 which i think is just an odd mix and i i didn't really get the vince carter signing for them uh and honestly same with zach randolph like those like those guys are good to have around but if the guys that you're bringing in to be your veteran influence get arrested for potentially trafficking marijuana within like a month of signing them like i don't know what the point really was and not i mean i don't think either of us are judging Zebo and never would we ever judge Zebo, um, but I, I just I just think those were kind of bizarre moves and I don't think they really helped them. I also think people are going to be surprised by how much De'Aaron Fox struggles. Like I just I just don't. No, I think he'll be good long term, but I think of all the elite point guards that were drafted, I think he's going to struggle the most. I think he's in a bad situation in terms of the teammates around him compared to the other guys. I mean, he's going to play a lot. Um, but it's just, I, I, I just think he's going to be really inefficient as a rookie. I agree. Okay. Four more. We'll get through these quickly. Not a lot to say about the Spurs. 54 and a half. That's is just a criminally low. Too low for a yeah, pop Way low. They won 61 last year. I think of all the people that I've talked to and read and listened to, this is the most obvious. Like no one, no one's taken the under on the Spurs. People have learned their lesson. The Toronto Raptors, 48 and a half is the number. You're going under, I'm going over, and my only reasoning for that is Lowry missed a ton of games last year. I think he stays a little healthier. Um, DeRozan had a career year last year, was on fire for the first like two months, and I think the combination of Lowry being out, DeRozan playing really well, those two kind of meet in the middle, and they end up at like 49, 50, 51 wins, something like that. I felt like this was a coin toss. Uh, I, I think that this team is sort of on a slight, downward trajectory so that's that's the only reason mm-hmm. i went under they're they're on a downward trajectory as far as their ceiling i think but like they're still good they're just going to be that team as they have been for the last three years it's just good regular season team and you just know that come playoff time they have they're just kind of capped in what they can do the utah jazz 40 and a half is the number after winning 51 last year you have locked in the La- over uh and i, I have is sketchily taking the under 
So I, I weirdly think that Ricky Rubio is going to uh, maybe have a, a second life in Utah. I think that Quinn Snyder is the best coach he's ever played for and especially the best offensive coach he's ever played for. And I think that they'll be able to kind of run stuff that play to his strengths better than uh, that ever happened for him in Minnesota. I think Rodney Hood is going to be one of the best. Uh, or I mean, he's, I think he's primed for a, a bit of a breakout with Hayward out of the picture. I think that a lot of the, that scoring load is going to fall on him, that playmaking load. Um, Donovan Mitchell obviously is getting a lot of, a lot of hype. I mean, he's, untu- he's, un- he's untouchable as we've, as we've heard, uh, you know, if you get a 60 games from Derek favors, I think they'd probably yep. take that. And then I think Rudy Gobert's yep. the, the best defensive, uh, kind of game changer in the league. And I think that just having Rudy, just having Rudy Gobert and four guys probably gets you to 36, 37 wins. And I think that people are maybe sleeping on the potential of some of the other guys. Uh, now that, now that Hayward's out of the picture, never, never in my lifetime did I think there would be a better player named Rudy than Rudy gay. <laughs> I think last year the torch was officially passed. Uh, only thing I'll say in the jazz right now, their starting lineup has three guys who don't shoot threes favors, Gobert, Rubio. That's a concern. Um, but they do have a lot of bench players that do shoot threes and they'll find a way around that last one wizards 47 and a half. Uh, we're both going over. They started the year seven and 13 through 20 games, finished 42 and 20. You know, the only thing is every, everybody was basically healthy. Their top four guys missed six or fewer games. Um, but still, if they, if they avoid that train wreck of a start, things are a little bit different. And, uh, you and I are are co-chairing the Kelly Oubre fan club. It sounds like so that's right. Go, I, I go always, Kelly I just expected you to not like Kelly Oubre. And I came out, I kind of confessed that I love Kelly Oubre. And to, to my surprise, you're like, Oh, me too. Man. Yeah. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.